Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast from Ken's 5, the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. This is a show on the Spurs and NBA basketball as a whole. I'm Cameron Songer. This week I'm joined by Evan Klosky, Ken's 5 sports reporter and anchor. Evan, thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. Uh, Jackson's a little bit busy, right? <laughs> yeah, I want to uh, give a shout-out to Jackson and his wife, Meg. They just welcomed the newest uh, Spurs fan to the world, yes. uh, Theo Hayden Floyd, who was born on uh, Tuesday, November 5th. Yeah, he's so. he's going to have, uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to fit any Spurs games in with, with the calamity happening at home, but nonetheless, we are, are very happy for him and his family. Yeah, so Jackson getting some well-deserved time off. Evan uh, playing pinch hitter today mm-hmm. to sort of uh, mix metaphors. But uh, a lot to talk about, Evan. Four Spurs games in the past week. In the first episode of the regular season, Jackson and I were talking about how the Spurs started out 3-0, and and maybe that wasn't going to hold. And Obviously, they weren't going to go undefeated or yeah, anything yeah. like that. And uh, really, it started on Halloween night. It was a spooky trip out west, the first road game for San Antonio. Uh, they lost to the Clippers 103-97. It was a good game, though. Yeah, and, and I will say this, and, and we'll jump ahead to breaking down all the games. Still to this day, from the seven games we have seen from the Spurs, I think the Clippers game is the best effort we saw from San Antonio. It was a loss, but I liked a lot of things that they did. Played very solid defensively. Uh, offensively, could have been a little better at, at points, and the, the Achilles heel for the Spurs is always getting in those droughts, and then just these runs happen so quickly against them. But, but nonetheless, uh, they got kawhi <laughs> a lot of teams get Kawhi. Kawhi had a really good game. Uh, 38 points, 12 rebounds, 4 steals, and he was plus 12 when he was out there on the floor. And, mm-hmm. and we'll talk a little bit more about what he's doing and, and sort of how he fits into the larger framework of the NBA this season. But, yeah, I, I agree with you that I think that was the best game the Spurs had played up to that point, that, that first week where you talk about the Spurs had the wins against the Knicks and the Wizards. And, and obviously they had to play a little bit better against the Blazers, but those two wins against those Eastern Conference what you expect to be teams near the bottom of the Eastern Conference here. The Spurs just kind of squeaked by, and then uh, in a game against a very good team, and obviously the Clippers aren't at full strength yet without Paul George, but yeah. I think the, the Spurs showed a lot of really nice things. Yeah, and, and one, the, the Clippers still, in my eyes, they were my preseason pick to, to win the NBA championship. Not going out on a limb there, but nonetheless, early in the season, they just look like an absolute unit, uh, not only because they have guys like Kawhi and eventually Paul George, but when you do get Paul George back and you pair him up with Kawhi and you pair him up with Bev, I just do not know how you are going to score 100 points in the postseason against them. I just do not know how you're going to do it. They are so dang good, and um, they are certainly the team to beat out West, in my opinion. Yeah, the Spurs had a couple nice performances. I, I, there was one highlight that really stood out to me, and I know it's hard to make uh, judgments based on highlights, but in sort of the, in this day and age, that's how a lot of fans end up doing it. Uh, Jakob Pertl had a really nice pass. I think it was in the second quarter. Yeah, to, to uh, Derek. Derek, who just had a dunk right under the basket. And if the Spurs can get some playmaking from Jakob Pertl as a, as a role man, especially coming off the bench and the role he's been in, mm-hmm. uh, I think that really is a, it, it bodes well for the Silver and Black. Yeah, and I think Jakob, to an extent, has probably been one of the more consistent players. Um, he's not going to take over a game, but you hope that he can come in and, and do some things, and especially in that Clippers game, you know, flashing a nice pass like that. You can see the potential and what he can do when he's taken a little bit outside of the paint and maybe, you know, facilitating a bit more. Um, I w- was, was very happy with Jakob, was, was very happy with Derek because... Um, you know, the Blazers game was really the start for Derek, but but also the Clippers game was sort of like, okay, Derek's okay. You know, the first couple games, I think he was getting adjusted to life off the bench and maybe getting into the swing of things again. 
And then really by game three, Derek has been awesome on um, the defensive side of the ball, and I just wish he was a bit more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, he's filling in, I think, a little bit. There's a little bit of a void. Bryn Forbes, he he's shot the ball so well in the preseason. That was one of the big storylines coming into the start mm -hmm. of the season. Those first few games, he stayed hot. He's cooled off a little bit here as the season's picked up. Uh, but, you know, Bryn Forbes is a very good shooter. We'll see plenty more from him as the season goes on. Uh, one last note from that Clippers game. DeMar DeRozan scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. It was sort of a homecoming game for him. He's from the L.A. area. Had a nice little duel going back and forth with Kawhi. And, uh, and there's no shame in Kawhi out-dueling somebody. I'll, and I will say this with DeMar. He certainly, every time he goes home to L.A., he does play with an edge. Uh, love DeMar. Uh, love him being aggressive. He does get into hero mode sometimes. And in that fourth quarter... Even though he did create a, a lot of baskets himself, uh, he also turned the ball over a couple of times that were very costly when the Spurs were trying to make runs. And uh, DeMar, I just need him to balance the hero, the hero stuff with understanding the situation. I mean, there was one time where, and I forget where it was in the game, but DeMar just said, screw it, I'm going towards the basket. Back down, it was backing down his man, and pop, there it was. Turnover happened. And uh, Clippers went to the other side of the the turnover, scored, and that that's a that's a four point play, right? That's a four point swing. You don't score, and then you give up two points, so you really cost yourself there. And I think that um, you know more often than not, I'll be okay with Demar forcing the hand on the issue, especially in the fourth quarter. He's the guy I want with the ball, but I think he got a little too caught up in it in that game. Yeah, seven turnovers in that game. The Spurs had 19 as a team. That's uh, eight more than the Clippers had. And, and I think Jackson and I touched on this a little bit last week, where early in the season, I think you expect to see some of that sloppiness. But anytime you get near that 20 mark, that's way too many turnovers in an NBA game Especially for a team. Especially for the Spurs, who take so much pride in, in handling the ball. And again, with you know DeJounte, I'm all, I'm all on board the DeJounte train. Uh, but if there is one thing to critique him about, uh, the turnovers. He sometimes gets a little hot saucy and tries to fit them in, in ridiculous windows, especially on the fast break. He sometimes tries to, to make, make some things happen when he should just probably go up with the ball. So uh, that, that's one thing just to, to keep an eye out. Well, the Spurs were without DeJounte Murray the, the next night. It was the second half of back-to-back. -back. They stayed in California on Friday, November 1st, went up to San Francisco and knocked off the Warriors 127-110. Obviously, that's a team that's going through a lot right now with mm -hmm. injuries to pretty much everybody. They knew they were going to be without Klay Thompson. Uh, Steph Curry was injured earlier in the week. I think the game the Spurs played them was the first the Warriors were playing without Steph Curry. So mm -hmm. that's a big adjustment to make for a team that's already uh, bringing in a, a new point guard in a way with uh, D'Angelo Russell. And so, yeah, the Spurs... Uh, they took care of business in that game. They needed a bounce back when they got it, and Patty Mills was the guy for San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, Patty Mills has his defensive deficiencies for sure, but uh, offensively he's been great this year. You know, he's sort of been what we want Bryn to be, and Bryn really hasn't stepped up to the plate the, the last handful of games. I mean, it's been bad. But uh, Patty Mills, especially with no DeJounte Murray that night, um, the Spurs needed Patty because um, – the Warriors do not have any depth. And honestly, the Warriors at least held their own starters versus starters in that game. Of course, the Spurs didn't have DeJounte. But nonetheless, once the second units came out, the Spurs throttled 
the Warriors. And that's where they took advantage. And a big reason why, Patty Mills. Yeah, I think I saw someone call it, it was a world championship patty or FIBA patty. And I know I know that's a thing in the NBA. There's, you know, hoodie mellow and uh, headband LeBron. But I think I think Spurs Twitter is making a FIBA patty yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a thing because he, he really was going uh, 13 points in his first nine minutes on the floor. He finished with a team high 31. He went six of nine from beyond the arc. That helps. That really helps when you can bring that off your bench. Uh, the Warriors, like we said, playing without Steph Curry. They did have a nice performance from Jordan Poole, who had 20 points. But I was surprised. Uh, the Spurs really cleaned the glass against the Warriors. They weren't shooting the ball particularly well. It was the second half of a back-to-back. Overcame the Warriors. A pretty good night from behind the arc. They were 46% from long range. But the Spurs gathered 16 offensive rebounds and out-rebounded the Warriors by 14. You know, if you want to talk about the Spurs' bread and butter, it's usually winning the turnover battle and not not uh, you know being very tight with the ball, and then also crushing the boards. And later when we get into the Hawks game, we'll talk about them not doing that. But uh, nonetheless, um, they really did enforce their will on the Warriors, which was nice to see, especially a Warriors team that uh, was a last night or two nights ago beat uh, the Blazers. So, you know, uh, nonetheless, very nice from that backup unit. Uh, don't have a ton to say about everyone else. Um, but Patty really led the charge, and also that, that number two unit uh, was, was notable. And, and I do want to mention, uh, one thing we did leave out in the Clippers game was um, Pop's comments about Lonnie Walker after the contest. Uh, I wanted to sneak that in. Um, so just to backtrack a little bit, Lonnie Walker plays five minutes in the Clippers game. Five minutes after the game. Um, Pop essentially says he was horrendous, uh, didn't really, uh, he, he showed a lack of competitiveness. And uh, First of all, the film doesn't really show that, in my it, opinion. It does not. And I don't know how you can show that in five minutes any, any way, but, but we have looked at the film, and it's very tough for me to see that. Um, you know, uh, I'm not here to doubt Pop's uh, acumen and, and what he's doing, and I'm sure this is very motivational, but going into the Warriors game, and then the Lakers game also, Lonnie Walker saw zero minutes. He was in a doghouse. And, um, you know, we'll bring it up. I mean, everybody can see it. It's a glaring weakness about Marco Bellinelli and his start to the season. Uh, horrendous would be putting it, I think, lightly. <laughs> you know, so I'm very confused about why he's, you know, I think he's pushing Lonnie because he needs Lonnie. He absolutely needs Lonnie. He knows that Marco is not the answer, and I think he's trying to allow Marco to have a good clump of games uh, before he can say, hey, Marco, sorry, you know, we gave you your opportunity, and now we got to go with him. So, you know, say whatever motivational tactics, whatever. And, uh, and Lonnie Walker has not been great this season in his limited minutes. I will say his PER stinks. But even beyond that, um, to, to make a stance at, in, that, in those five minutes, when he didn't really do anything, that's it just it seemed weird. It just didn't seem like the right time to do it. I, I think he guarded Kawhi on maybe one or two possessions and, and did a decent enough job. Before he, he actually forced do, he forced yeah. an offensive foul on one possession he where he was guarding Kawhi. And fine. again, you know, you want to talk about small sample size? It's literally one trip down the floor, yeah. and it's a he's a young player. This is more or less his rookie year. I mean, he didn't really play all that much mm -hmm. last year at the NBA level. So uh, I think the expectations are high for Lonnie Walker. And I had a, a basketball coach in high school who he would always say. I'm being hard on you because I believe in you. If I stop being hard on you, that's when you should be worried because that's yeah. that's when I, you know, I, whatever, you're just kind of there. You're just a guy. Yeah. It, it, the guys he's hard on is who he 
expect something from and has that has that belief in it. I'm sure that's where uh, Coach Pop is with Lonnie Walker, who's, what, 20 years old now? Yeah, so. and as I said, I think everybody, look, we can find it. I question the, uh, the time that he did it. I don't question the motivational tactics because we know that's the, that's what he's doing here. So that I don't question. It's just to say that he was not competitive and all this stuff, I just thought it was a low blow, in my opinion. And, and if you're Lonnie, you're saying, like, man, you're really going to talk that after that, like, watching the tape? Like, I wish that he would have done it again, you know, when we get to the Hawks. I wish he would have done it that game when he did look like crud. One more note on the uh, the Warriors game before we uh, turn our attention to the, the, the last two games of the past week. Uh, I, I do like the way the Spurs are kind of platooning starters and bench and the way they're kind of massaging minutes between the starters, keeping starters together. Uh, of the five starters in that game, Aldridge, DeRozan, White, and Forbes, uh, four of them were in double figures. Trey Lyles didn't get in the scoring column, but he had 14 rebounds. Yeah. I, I want to give him a shout because he's not really filling up the stat sheet in terms of scoring points, mm -hmm. but he has been a huge energy guy. And then off the bench, not a lot of scoring, but that's because Patty Mills and Rudy Gay were just taking pretty much all of the shots off the bench. So yeah. I think it, on, a night, on a night when those players are feeling it in that way, I think that, that uh, split kind of works. Yeah, and you mentioned Trey Lyles, a guy we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Trey Lyles is, is great in his role, but uh, his PER is not sexy, uh, and he needs to provide something offensively at some point. He needs to be a bit more aggressive because eventually if you're an opposing team, you just do not care on that side of the floor. Like, go ahead, and then you start getting gun-shy, and when you're gun-shy, you shoot weaker. So. I love the stuff he's doing defensively, the rebounding. It's great. He provides such a niche there. But I need him to do a bit more. So he's consistent, and Pop's been very complimentary of him in that role. But uh, I find trouble coming down the line if he does not at least showcase some offensive ability. All he need, I think all he needs to do is be able to knock down the corner three and just add that add that floor spacing a little bit, just be confident and, and, and stroking it, yeah. and, and that would give LaMarcus Aldridge a lot more space in the mid-range. That would give DeMar DeRozan a lot of space in the mid-range, mm -hmm. just, to, just to make sure you have that respect there uh, with that starting unit. He's not going to be a guy who you need to go out and get you know 20 and 10. It's just, that's not his role in this team. Uh, speaking of a guy who the Spurs kind of need to go out and get 20 and 10, DeJounte Murray. He was the leading rebounder for the Spurs in their game uh, against the Lakers on Sunday, uh, a game the Spurs lost. Again, another very good effort against an L.A. team, sort of a broken record kind of story. Spurs just came up short, 103-96 loss to the Lakers. But uh, DeJounte Murray, team highs with 18 points and 11 rebounds. Problem was he didn't really get much support in that game, Evan. Mm -hmm. uh, Bryn Forbes, 1 of 8 from deep. DeMar DeRozan, 5 of 15 from the floor. Marcos Aldridge, little gunshot, just 2 of 9 shooting the basketball. Yeah, and you're seeing a running theme here where the defense is actually getting better for the Spurs, but the offense is getting worse outside of that Warriors game um, where their defense is really <laughs> But uh, nonetheless, the thing about the Spurs is they're supposed to be the most efficient offense. They're supposed to find it easy to score. And when DeMar and LaMarcus don't bring it, they are going to lose. They are going to lose those games. And, and this was really the start of, like, what the heck is going on, LaMarcus? You have to provide something. Um, you know, it's great that DeJounte Murray had a great game. It just he needed some help. And this is also where Bryn is sticking out like a sore thumb. Because, again, Bryn, if you're not going to score, you are doing nothing for me on the court. You are not a great defender. I mean, you can go back a couple weeks ago when he's guarding Bradley Beal and C.J. McCollum, just absolutely blown up and torched. I mean, really taken to the, uh, just looked horrible. So 
if he's not shooting threes and hitting those threes, the Spurs become really one-dimensional. They already are struggling with three-pointers. They're one of the worst teams in the league hitting three-pointers. And, and I really wish that Davis Bertans was still on this team and, and we could go back to being mad at Marcus Morris. But nonetheless, Bryn has to step up this year. He needs to score and he needs to be efficient. So him hitting slumps can happen. And that's what happened in this game. They really, they probably should have won that they, game. They definitely could have. It was definitely could've. in play. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem, I think, was just how well the Lakers played in that game. Uh, how about the surprise performance from Dwight Howard? He, he turned back the clock about a decade. 14.13 uh, rebound night like it was 2009 or something. And then uh, I think the, it's not really a surprise that the Lakers had the two best players on the floor mm -hmm. in that game, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron put up his second of three straight triple doubles. I think that streak is still alive. So when you're listening to this podcast, it might be at four or five or something like that. Uh, 21 points, 13 rebounds, or 13 assists, 11 rebounds. And he missed all six of his three-point attempts. He was 8 of 23 from the field. And uh, Anthony Davis was uh, just a, a casual 25 and 11. And one thing that uh, I will praise the Spurs about is their three-point defense has been pretty solid all year. Uh, so seeing 0, 0 for 6 from deep from LeBron, even though it's not uncommon for him, but nonetheless, it's still impressive. Uh, another thing sticking out of the Lakers game is this running notion or this running theme, I should say. One quarter really does this team in. That they play a solid game and then just hit a huge old stinker. The second quarter in the Lakers game did that. They came out of halftime. They really brought the noise. Um, and then they got it tied up, which a tremendous effort to do that. And then Contavious Colwell Pope actually hits a couple shots back to back, a three, then a deuce. And, I mean, that's what really did them in along with Howard. But um, that has been sticking out. And especially, by the way, uh, they're one of the worst first-half teams. They, they don't score points in the first half for whatever reason. So that's something that Pop needs to get them ready for quicker because they are starting out slow. Yeah, one other note here. Uh, Shout-out to uh, Matt Moore from the Action Network who pulled this up from uh, NBA.com. Uh, so through this game now, through at this point six games in the Spurs season, uh, the Spurs, he was looking at uh, DeRozan and Aldridge on-off plus-minus uh, yeah, yeah. net ratings. So the Spurs were minus 23.6 as a net rating with DeRozan off and Aldridge on. Again, very small sample. Mm -hmm. They were just plus-7 with DeRozan on and Aldridge off. But with both of them off, they were plus 25. So, yeah. and, and, and it's, the numbers were pretty similar for la from last year. So the, the point is, and again, that's just, it's just a, you know, a rating of with one player. It doesn't necessarily factor in what the, uh, the other team has out there on the floor. Obviously, uh, DeRozan and Aldridge are going to play against a lot of starter-heavy teams. But you, you mentioned it earlier that if these guys aren't stepping up and having great games, it, it almost becomes like the Spurs are better off with their bench out there. I will say this about that stat, and I saw that floating around there. Uh, certainly, LaMarcus and DeMar have their deficiencies. And I think the big thing to talk about is that DeMar and LaMarcus don't equal out to other teams' stars. So when you see those off-on uh, off plus-minuses, what you're really saying is DeMar, when DeMar and LaMarcus are off, usually you have secondary units in there. The Spurs have depth. The Spurs take advantage of their depth and usually beat out other teams in their benches. It's no surprise. Teams, you know, you want to go back to last year in the Warriors and making these mega teams. Mega teams are not built with depth. We're going to play our starters 30-some-odd minutes, and we're going to try to skate by in the 10 that they're off, whatever it might be, the 10-plus that they're off, 
And that's where the Spurs excelled, especially last year. They really did thrive in their secondary units. So, especially in a small sample size like this, especially coming off a game like they did against the Warriors where their secondary unit completely crushed Golden State to skew some numbers, I don't know how alarmed I am about that, but what is something to take away is that LaMarcus and DeMar, which we all know, don't really meet the sniff test when it comes to other stars in this league when they get put on. Yeah, they, they kind of lack some of that high wattage uh, star power, and we're starting to see some of that star power uh, from the, the most recent uh, Spurs opponent in, uh, in the game against the Hawks. I think that was another one the Spurs on paper think they should have had, especially mm-hmm. with uh, John Collins, who was out due to a, a, a PED suspension. And I will say, uh, even with John Collins out, that just meant Dondre Hunter was going to play more, and he looked very good out there. And he's also much better defensively, so, you know, uh, I, I do want to say that um, the Hawks played really well defensively. Yeah, and Trey Young is looking like a star. Uh, he had 29 points to, to lead all scorers in that game on uh, Tuesday night against the Hawks. The Spurs lost that game 108-100. to uh, DeMar DeRozan with another standout game, 22 points. Patty Mills with 16 off the bench while uh, doing it on just six shots. Trey Lyles had 12 rebounds. It was, it was just another, it was kind of just a ho-hum performance for the Spurs. Nothing really jumped out, and uh, the Spurs... Like, like we said, they don't shoot the ball well, sometimes they don't defend well, and uh, they can get beat by teams that I think, on paper, the Spurs were better than. They, this is a game they probably should have won. And there's a, a handful of thoughts that come after this play. One, you sat around this game, and the Spurs really kind of... You were waiting for them to pull away with their offense, because the offense just wasn't getting going, wasn't getting going, wasn't getting going. And eventually... Uh, the blow-up quarter happened. It was the fourth quarter. They couldn't get a stop, albeit I don't even think it was bad defense on the Spurs all the time. I just think that uh, the Hawks were just making shots. I mean, Vince Carter was making, like, fall-away three-pointers, and Trey Young was doing his thing, and, he, he like, you saw in his eyes that, like, he was just feeling it. And uh, the, the Spurs could not answer them offensively they couldn't score and they couldn't make stops i mean i think they gave up 30 points in the fourth quarter something silly they just really like they just essentially quit and without quitting now i will also say dejounte murray on his minutes restriction only played 19 minutes in the game he was in foul trouble too he was in foul trouble and i will say this uh terrible his worst game of the season by far um you have the, the stats on this, right? Yeah, so f- the five fouls, he was one of seven from the floor, scored three points, four assists, three turnovers. And I know he was working really hard on the defensive end, trying to contain Trey Young, but that's tough, man. You, you know, you, you have to be able to contribute on the offensive end as the point guard. And, and with what this team needs, you know, it, it, we go back to the Lakers game. DeJounte thrived and needed some help. This is a game where if DeJounte did what he usually does, they probably win it and control the tempo a bit more, but they had nothing from DeJounte, and, uh, and that's across the board, you know? Assists, rebounds, points, plus minus was awful. I, there's no reason why DeJounte Murray with his defense should be in minus 18 in 19 minutes. That's a problem, and maybe that's tire legs. Maybe it's catching up to him in the, in the, the travel and the, what, four games in six days sort of thing. So uh, that was sort of the running theme after the, the Hawks game. Um, but yeah, you know, but, but then on top of that, Derek White evidently had a minutes restriction too with his, uh, you know, in the Lakers game, he hurt his butt. <laughs> uh, he had a contusion on his right glute, and they said that they were going to be um, conservative with his minutes. 
And then when the game was coming to a close, Pop did not have DeJounte nor Derek out there. And Trey Young just, well, I mean, you're giving them the game. So I don't know what the minutes restriction was, but Pop did not allocate the minutes correctly to make sure that Derek or DeJounte were going to be on the court down a stretch because they were both pulled in the last five minutes. Spurs were trying to fight, but there was no way to stop Trey Young. Brent Forbes, Patty Mills, I don't care who you put on that roster, there was no stopping Trey Young without those two. Yeah, at one point, LaMarcus Aldridge was guarding Trey Young, and that went about as well as you'd expect. <laughs> that, that, that was the sort of the highlight from that game. Again, the the, the meme or the, the social media clip that would be just Trey Young cooking. Yeah. Uh, and that's not LaMarcus Aldridge's fault at all. That's not what he's, you know, that's not no, really his skill set. They, um, they left him out to dry. They, yeah. Pop left that whole unit out to dry. There's, there's no stopping Trey Young without, I, those, without one of those two. Tell you what, the fourth quarter result from that game sort of looked like something you might expect out of a preseason game. Hey, the Spurs are up eight going into the fourth quarter, you, you know, but you have some other things going on minutes-wise, lineup-wise. And you lose by eight, so you're outscored by 16 in the fourth quarter. That's that's not very Spurs. Like again, it's it's early November, and it's it's a, it's an 82 game season. But we're looking at this team and coming into the regular season. I think the expectation around a lot of prognosticators was every game might matter. You know, the the margins are going to be really thin for this team. So to I'm not saying they gave that one away, but it definitely got away from the Spurs. And let it be known that again, the Spurs schedule is backloaded. A lot of really good teams, especially in the last, like, 15 games of the season. You know, I don't want to think about that yet, but the, it is imperative for the Spurs to start out hot, and they have not. And the game against the Hawks on the road is a game you have to win. Um, and just to tie up the loose end to the Hawks game, what we're really seeing throughout these four games, what we've really seen throughout these seven games is usually one side shows up and the other side does not. When the, uh, early in the season when they started 3-0, and we had great offensive performances from the Spurs, but the defense stunk. Now the last four games, the defense has been pretty good, but outside of the one win against the Warriors, the offense has been ter- terrible. I mean, 97-96-100. Spurs do not win with those numbers. Those are not winning numbers for the Spurs anymore, you know? We don't have the big three anymore. So it needs to be 110, 115. And efficiencies-wise, that's where they're supposed to sit, 110-ish. So, you know, when you're, when you're doing that to yourself, you're just you're kind of screwed. And, you know, again, just players are not shooting. I mean, Bryn has, has been bricks from deep. And that's, I mean, for a team that's lacking in three-pointers, that's a problem. LaMarcus, Pop needs to find a way for him to be successful because – when he scores 20, usually that's a winning formula. And I think he had 14, and then against the Lakers, he had, what, under 10? It was just, just bad. So a um, lot, of, lot of little things here. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's broken. They just need to get on the same page and, and have a complete performance to prove to themselves that, hey, we can do it on both sides of the ball. And that leads us into the week ahead. Yeah, so the Spurs come in having lost three of their last four now, and they'll play three games in the coming week. First on Thursday, November 7th, against the Thunder. That's a game at the AT&T Center. Thunder come in uh, with a 3-4 and four record, but they've won their last two. Their leading scorer right now, ask an NBA fan, they, they probably wouldn't be able to guess. <laughs> Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the team's leading scorer through seven games. Uh, 22 points per game for that uh, young Thunder team. Uh, a casualty of the Kawhi trade. Uh, the, sorry, the Paul George trade uh, from OKC. Uh, but none, I will say this with the Thunder. The Thunder are 3-4 and four in a the season. They're 0-2 on the road. They're just making their third trip on the road. We don't know what they can do away from, uh, from Oklahoma City. 
So this is a game. I do expect the Spurs to win. They they should win. It is a game where the Thunder are very heavily reliant on their guards. That does worry me a little bit. Not so much about um, Gildress Alexander, because you figure Derek or DeJounte is going to be guarding him, but uh, with, with all the supplemental pieces and then worrying about also Danilo stretching the floor. I don't know. I mean, you know, Trey Lyles can probably help in that regard. So we'll see. Um, you know, people like Bryn, uh, Patty, Marco, they're going to have their work cut out for them guarding these guards who are the main supplier of points. Then you also still have Steven, uh, Steven Adams down there, who honestly, I would rather see Yak on than LaMarcus. Yeah, and uh, there's also that Chris Paul guy. He's, he's pretty good <laughs> That's basketball. right, Chris Paul, too. He's, he's pretty good. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you're going to have Chris Paul and Shea. So, I mean, you're not going to have Derek and DeJounte on at the same time, so one of those guys is going to be free. That's that's a tough team. I think that's a team you can't sleep on, even though it's a home game for the Spurs. The nice thing for San Antonio this week, no back-to-backs, so should help with the minutes a little bit. It's sort of on an every-other-night kind of schedule. Uh, So following that Thunder game, the Spurs will have Friday off. They'll stay in San Antonio for a Saturday game against the Boston Celtics, who lost their opener, but since then have won five straight. They're 5-1. and Yeah, they're 5-1. and I think uh, the, the one loss against the 76ers, their first game, and out of any of those teams, I think they beat the Bucks. I think they beat the Bucks, but then they beat the Knicks twice. They beat the Cavs, and they beat another. Uh, yeah, they like it's Bulls uh, or something, the, maybe. yeah the Cavs. So t- I think it's two wins against the Knicks. Uh, they beat the Raptors. Uh, oh, they so beat the, the Bucks. Yeah. Okay. So and then, yeah. then they'll play the they'll play the Hornets on Thursday night on the road. So they're on a little bit of a road trip, but again, a pretty light schedule for the Celtics to start. Mm-hmm. One uh, silver lining, I guess, is uh, they also struggled with the Knicks in their home game against uh, New York. That was sort of a something that was maybe a mini red flag for the Spurs to start the season. That opener where San Antonio mm-hmm. you expected them to sort of blow out this New York team, but the Celtics only had a two point win against them. And you think that Pop would have a, a really good understanding of Kemba Walker after working with him the entire summer with Team USA? So. So um, that's something where I feel like Pop can help DeJounte or Derek when they're guarding him. Yeah, so that, we'll see with that. that. Yeah, those Celtics made up a big chunk of Tino. It wasn't just Kemba Walker, but also Jalen Brown, right. uh, Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's, there's that familiarity there. And I think the, the Celtics will be coming in on a bit of a tear, but I think the Spurs have to have a little bit of the mental edge. And then one more off night, the Spurs staying home all week as they'll have a home game on uh, Monday the 11th, it's a big celebration for San Antonio because it's Tony Parker retirement night, and they'll bring the Grizzlies into town. Uh, they've they struggled to start, just one and five. Yeah, the, the Grizz also, and and their schedule is kind of wonky. I believe that's gonna uh, that won't be a back to back, but they go they're like on the road, on the road, then they head home to play Dallas. One, uh, it's a back to back the Dallas game at home, so they go on the road play Dallas at home, then they have an off day and then head back out to San Antonio. Their schedule looks pretty darn gnarly right now. Uh, I'm very excited to see my boy Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga. He is an athletic freak and sort of the guy where we're like, oh, um, Lucas Samanich, we took him over, over Brandon Clark. So we're going to have an up-close and personal look at him. I think Trey Lyles matches up nicely there. We also get John Morant in the house, who has had a, a phenomenal start to his rookie season. But you should beat the Grizzlies. And I'll say this, you know, I fully expect the Spurs to go 3-0 at home 
It's going to be tough, but you need to. You need to win these games. I'm sorry, but you have to beat the Thunder at home. That's just I can't make excuses for you there. I'm okay with you losing to the, the Lakers at home. I'm certainly okay with you losing to the Clippers on the road. But you lost to the Hawks. Make up with it by beating the Celtics at home and taking care of business against the other two. Then we can wipe that one away. But um, you got to win your games at home. The Spurs are always a home team and struggle on the road. So I, I can't make excuses this upcoming uh, few games. Time to take a quick break. Remember, fans, Ken's 5 is the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. We're carrying 14 Spurs games on Ken's 5 this season, with the next one coming on November 18th when the Spurs visit the Dallas Mavericks. And new this year, you can watch the game and any Spurs game we air on Ken's 5 on the Ken's 5 app. Download the new Ken's 5 app. It is free, and don't miss out on any of the action. Remember, we'll also have plenty of exclusive Spurs coverage on Ken's 5 and kens5.com throughout the season. All right, Evan, let's take a look around the league sort of a chance to sort of zoom out, not just focus on the Spurs, but everything else that's happening in the association. Uh, talk about some of the key performers, and I'll start with LeBron James. We mentioned his triple-double streak. He's tied for the league lead. It's obviously, that's not really a stat that I think a lot of people care about. Who, who, who led the league in triple-doubles? But yeah. LeBron and Luka Doncic have but the... here we do! <laughs> right? It's big and fun. We like big and fun things on the Big Fun Pod, and triple-doubles are as big and fun as they get. Uh, <laughs> This game, this was the most big fun game of the past week, the, the Lakers versus Mavs game uh, in this past week, as Doncic and LeBron had triple-doubles in the same game, which was 119-110, a Lakers overtime win. Danny Green made the three-pointer to send it to That's, overtime, so there's your San Antonio a wild, connection. A wild game for Dallas to lose, by the way. That one hurts. Uh, the stat lines were insane. LeBron, 39 points, 16 assists, 10 rebounds. Doncic, 31 points, a career-high 15 assists, and 13 rebounds. According to the NBA, they became both the youngest and oldest players in NBA history with 30.15 assist triple-doubles, which is, a, again, a, kind of a niche stat, but okay. They did it the same game, though, so that's pretty cool. That The youngest person and the oldest person in NBA history to do a thing happened in the same game. Uh, Doncic, by the way, is up to 10 career triple-doubles now. That's twice as many as LeBron had before his 21st birthday. So that's Doncic has the record for most uh, triple-doubles before, before 21. And uh, LeBron only had five, Doncic up to ten. He's a superstar. He's an absolute superstar. Uh, arguably, I think, a top five player in the league, sort of by like five, six, seven maybe. Uh, save for he's for sure a top ten player in the league. Uh, the Mavericks are good uh, with the Warriors falling off and looking like they're going to just tank the season and regroup for next year. You figure the Mavericks, who are the trendy pick to move into the playoffs, they look great. Uh, they are sort of a, a two-horse deal, and if Doncic ever goes down, they're, I mean, they're certainly Dunzos, which, I mean, you could say about a lot of teams losing their star guy. But Doncic is amazing. Even though they lost that game, the Mavs have looked quite impressive. The Lakers have also shown a lot of metal, winning close games, playing good defense. They are going to be a tough team. Again, when compared to the Clippers, I think they're going to meet their match. But, uh, you know, you, you like... You like both of those teams, and especially in the West. Uh, one thing I want to say is I think if you want to talk about one of the better stories of the NBA season, the Phoenix Suns. And we're really happy that the Spurs aren't playing Phoenix right now because they're feeling themselves. They're 5-2, and two, uh, currently would be third in the West if the playoffs started seven games into the season, which is silly to say. But nonetheless, they do not have the Andre Ayton, and they are still winning games. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Their only losses are, to, are by one point each to the Nuggets and Jazz. So they very easily could be 7-0. and uh, They also have wins over the Clippers, Warriors, and Sixers. 
they're a new team this year compared to last year. Aaron Baines and Ricky Rubio were two key offseason additions for that team. They're coming in and doing what you'd expect a veteran center and point guard to do, respectively. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is, a, is a, something they're missing right now. And uh, let's talk about that, because it's driving me batty why he's not with the team right now. Uh, we're two or three weeks into the season, and the NBA has already caught three guys for violating the league's PED, or substance abuse policy. They got Wilson Chandler before the season, uh, DeAndre Ayton last week, and then earlier this week, uh, John Collins. Mm -hmm. So that's already three pretty big-name guys and uh, two of them being pretty young stars, I think future all-stars in this league. Wilson Chandler's been in this league for a while now, but John Collins and DeAndre Ayton have the potential to be multi-time all-stars mm -hmm. for their respective teams in the, in the near future. Uh, I think it's probably overdue for the NBA to make sure it's a level playing service in terms of who's juicing and who's not. Uh, but it's a little surprising that they're going after some of those big names right now. Usually there's, they sort of send those warning shots to some other guys first. At least that's uh, you know, what you think in, in such a fan-driven, such a fan-friendly league that you don't want to take some of these big draws out of the mix for more than a quarter of the season. But that's what they're doing. Uh, I think any NBA fan, though, who thought that doping was a problem in literally every sport, literally every other sport except their beloved National Basketball Association, they were naive. It's like tampering. The NBA has to make sure that they have rules that they can enforce, then actually enforce them. That's what they're doing. Yeah, and I forget exactly what John Collins got popped for, but it was a pretty egregious thing. It's not like one of those things where DeAndre Ayton said, I took the wrong thing, that's my bad, and I'm going to just... I think, yeah, I think it was a diuretic for him, and yeah, which, which, it's, which people it would be considered a masking agent, not a performance-enhancing mm -hmm. drug itself, but the, the reason that's on the list is like, oh, yeah, you're covering something up. Yep. Yeah, so uh, nonetheless, it's great. You know, we want to make sure that everyone is on an even playing field, and... You know, you have to make strict rules to enforce these. Look at baseball. I mean, baseball is really up the ante, and if you do it in baseball, you're missing half the season, and you can't even play in the postseason. So, I mean, those are things that really deter you from doing it. Um, so, uh, totally fine with that. Play by the rules, and you don't have to worry about a thing. It stinks for the Hawks, stinks for the Suns. Uh, not necessarily have felt the reverberations of it quite yet, but maybe in game 15, game 20, by then it kind of wears and tears on you. So, um, yeah, That's what's driving me batty. Evan, yeah. what's driving you batty? Uh, so a lot of things happening right now with Kawhi Leonard currently actually going down as we speak. People are pissed that Kawhi is taking load management days, and they're saying he's not healthy. And people want him to play because there's national games happening and he's not playing. Before they played the Spurs, Kawhi sat out on a nationally televised game. Uh, as of this recording tonight, they're playing the Bucks. He will not play in that game due to load management. Uh, the, the league has come out and uh, NBA spokespeople have come out. The Clippers have said, look, our medical staff is monitoring it. He is currently not healthy to play on back-to-backs as of this moment. You can roll your eyes all you want. It's part of the game. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying the NBA has problems with this, yada, yada, yada. Look, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not great for the fans. I get it. But I don't know what you can do about it outside of maybe decreasing from 82 games to 70 and saying, you know, we're never going to have back-to-backs, so don't ever worry about sitting out. But until you decrease the games... I'm sorry, uh, what do you want him to do? This, the, the, he did it all last year. He's doing it all this year. It's very, it, I mean, we don't have to go down the Uncle Dennis sort of route and what Kawhi does. Kawhi's a prima donna with this stuff. 
goes all the way back to three years ago, and it's what he wants to stay healthy and fresh. And for the Clippers, that's very important. You know, I don't see why this is such an issue. You know, if I want to call in sick a day at work, I can call in sick. You know, as long as my employer uh, is notified and prepared, then they're good to go. You know, this isn't anything new. The clip, the Clippers have planned out something. Uh, you know, it, uh, this is not enforceable. It's something you have to deal with. There are 82 games this season, and most of them he's going to play. And they're going to manage his minutes so that he's effective. Guess what? Kawhi single-handedly pretty much handed Toronto uh, a championship with load management. So I, I can't say that it doesn't work because it seems pretty effective. It worked last year. And not to mention here in San Antonio, we can't be angry because load management started because of Greg Popovich. So from that perspective, I know that we ain't going to raise our voices because that would be pretty hypocritical. So um, nonetheless, I, I have no problems with Kawhi taking nights off. It is up to the the team to do what they think is best with their players. And you can call Kawhi a prima donna. That's totally fine. Totally cool with that. You can, you can say that all you want, but you cannot say you must play. That's just not in the cards. That's not how the, that's not how the league works, and uh, that's not how Kawhi Leonard's going to work for yeah. sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's driving us batty. Of course, uh, an homage to the, the bats at the AT&T Center. Of course, this is the 10-year anniversary of that, uh, that infamous Manu Ginobili bat swatting incident. And I'm uh, sure we'll have more to come. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not quite uh, migration season migration for those, season for those bats, coming. but it's coming. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on all the bat news and all the more important Spurs news throughout the season. But mostly the bat news. Uh, it, it, that's, that's what we do here on the Big Fun Pod. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Big Fun Pod. Uh, if you're not a fan of Ken's 5 on Twitter and on Facebook, be sure to, uh, to find us there on that social media. And uh, wherever you're listening to us in the podcast multiverse, as Jackson Floyd likes to say, go ahead and give us a, a like, give us a follow, uh, review five stars. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Evan Klosky, thank you so much for coming by. Free Lonnie Walker. (laughs) That's all the time we have this week. Until next time, Spurs fans, I'm Cameron Saunders. This has been the Big Fun Pod.